we still have a lot of people who are using an HRIS system that's an Excel spreadsheet and that may work for them and it may not. So I think you start with taking a look at, at where you are and then where you want to go and why and not just throwing a bunch of technology in because it looks pretty and it's shiny. It really has to serve a purpose and the technology now, there's so much and it's so good. You can really solve just about any problem you have with that technology. And I think the trick is finding the right one that's gonna work for you. Hi everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of All About HR. My name is Nelly, I'm your host. And on today's episode, I speak with Tracy Spoonenberg. Tracy is the Chief People Officer at the Granite Group, but she's also a founding member of Hacking HR, a co-founder of Disrupt HR, a co-founder of HR Rebooted, and I could continue like this for a little while longer, I believe. Now, Tracy and I, we are going to talk about moving from paper based or paper first HR to people first HR. I'm super excited to hear a lot more about that. But before we start, as always, don't forget to subscribe to our channel, hit the notification bell and share this episode. Welcome to another episode of All About HR. Now, let me welcome Tracy to the show. Hi there, Tracy. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm very good. Thank you very much. And I'm also super happy that we get to have you here on an episode of All About HR. Even more so since I know that you just came back from a well-deserved and also, I believe, long-awaited holiday to Iceland. How was that? It was incredible. It was uh, our whole family trip. I don't, we did a quick weekend last year with the whole, we have three kids and varying ages with the whole family. And I think it's been probably five years because our son was in college and, and all of that. So wonderful place that the whole family just absolutely loved and we can't wait to go back. Very nice to hear Tracy. And, you know, I always I always take a look at, at the uh, LinkedIn profiles of the guests that, uh, that I get to speak with here on, uh, on the show. And when I look at yours, something that definitely stands out is the pictures of coffee from all over well, the world, I can probably say. So maybe what, what's up with the coffee photos? So uh, just a quick backstory. My husband and I um, don't drink alcohol. So in the where I live in the Northeast of the United States, a, a lot of people drive around, particularly, you know, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, and visit breweries. And instead of that, we drive around and find local independent coffee shops. And so we might take off for a day and, and hit three different places that we've never been to. And it's really fun. And I think... I feel like the first time I posted one was in relation to kind of self-care, sort of my, my self-care to do something fun for myself and do something with my husband. And I got so much feedback, like, that's great, do more, that um, on the weekends, I just sort of do that, no matter where I am, whether I'm checking out a new place or whether I'm at home, I try to do that and also share some um, new places with folks so mm. and I get a lot of great recommendations too nice yeah I sometimes do that as well during the weekend and I just go by myself to have a coffee somewhere and now especially since it's spring over here it's very nice when the sun's out to just have that moment enjoy a good cup of coffee and just enjoy and relax a yep. little bit 
Nice one. I like it. Yeah, Tracy, before we really start talking about uh, today's topic, perhaps you'd like to tell us a little bit more also about the work that you do at the Granite Group and maybe also f one of the other associations or uh, sure. uh, that you're, yeah? Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm the chief people officer for the Granite Group. So that's my day job and, and I'm lucky to do some side things, but we're a uh, plumbing, heating, cooling, water, and energy supply distributor based in the Northeast. We've got over 700 people, over 50 locations. And so I'm responsible for what we now call our, our people team and mm -hmm. the people in our company. And we morphed over the last few years from an HR team. And uh, several years ago, probably six years ago, almost now, five years ago, I had the opportunity to co-present, um, to speak at a, an event on a, a topic that had been going on, something I had been doing at work. And I'm an introvert, so that's difficult. This is even a little difficult. And and that was sort of the springboard to me getting involved into all kinds of things. I, I learned that I had something to share. I learned that I had something to say. And I met a lot of wonderful people. So I started saying yes to opportunities that came my way. I sought out some opportunities. My huge passion is advancing the profession. Mm -hmm. So I was very much a, a, an old school HR professional who had a job and not a career and really transitioned. And, and I'm so passionate about aligning myself with folks that are doing the same and really bringing this amazing profession forward. Like the, the work AI HR is doing is, is really terrific. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. I do wonder where you find the time, though, to be honest with you, Tracy, because you have, yeah, you have like a full-time day job in a big yeah. company. At the same time, I guess once something is your passion, it gives you a lot of energy, doesn't it? It does, and you find the time, and and nothing takes very much time. It might be an hour a month here, it might be you know a few minutes here, and the way I describe it is these things fit in in the nooks and the crannies of the day, and mm. and you might have a couple of minutes while you're waiting on hold and you check in on something, and and like you said, if you're passionate about something, you find a way to do it. Yes, and I also think that this is a very nice bridge to our topic of today because you just mentioned you're passionate about, you know, helping to, to bring the HR profession forward and help it advance a little bit. Now, when we talk about moving from paper first to people first, that's obviously also helping to, to, to advance the profession. So, yes, I know that you recently uh, gave a webinar about this topic. I think it was for SHRM. Um, Perhaps we can start by getting a bit of an idea of uh, how you would describe paper first versus sure. people first. So it was a webinar I did with GoCo. So it's a, actually part of a three-part series and I had done something with offboarding and I think maybe Sherm ran it, but I had done something for them before and, and we created something together that would really help hopefully advance, uh, change some thinking and advance the profession a little bit. So the way I look at that is, is paper first versus people first is kind of a different way of saying traditional HR versus modern people ops, right? So mm -hmm. when you think of traditional HR, you think of the enforcers of the policies, people who are reactive, who are just executors, and who very much work behind the scenes. And I'm I'm very critical of companies. I'm somewhat critical of, of people who are, are still practicing that way. In a lot of cases, there isn't a choice, but I am critical out of love, and I'm critical because I lived that for a long, 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 long time, far longer than I, I should have. And then we move into people ops where the real 
goal is to improve the employee experience. You know, you're there for the people, not for the company. You work for the company, but you're there for the people. You're proactive, you're a coach, you're a guide. You really ideally take a, a public stance on things and or at least have some sort of public persona and champion your people mm. and your company. And you align your people's strategy with your business strategy. And so Tracy, was there like one specific point in time for you when, when let's say that, you know, that something clicked or like it was like, okay, no, it's time to start doing things differently. Or was it over a bit of a longer period of time that you realized, okay, we really need to, to start uh, doing HR in a different way? Yeah, I think there were a few different things that happened to me in my life. About 10 years ago, I started to get healthy and I looked around and admit I was sort of unhappy and depressed and didn't like who I was and how I was approaching anything, including work. So I made a real conscious effort to improve my outlook on life. I was very much someone who would look at other people and go, why does she get to do that? Why do they get to do that? And instead of, well, why not me? And taking action, I just kind of sat back and let life happen. And so I made a real conscious effort to, to shift my mindset and really move from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, even though at the time I didn't really put it in those words. And then maybe about around the same time, I had somebody on my team who had just wasn't really approaching her job with enthusiasm. And I noticed, but I assumed it was something personal. And then one day she came to me and said, you know, can I talk to you? I said, of course. And, and she said, I have a problem and it's you. And I went, oh, you know, I had just not experienced that. And I wasn't giving her the kind of feedback. I, I wasn't giving her any feedback, really. I wasn't leading her in a way that she needed to be led. And as much as I would talk about things, you know, I wasn't practicing what I was coaching my managers on. And, and that was a huge shift in my, my working life and my life in general. And she gave me a giant gift, as tough as it was for her to say. And that really helped me reflect inward a lot. I mean, I can imagine that at the time it was tough, of course, but I still think it's a beautiful story to, to be honest. So thank you. Thank you uh, for sharing that with us. Now, when uh, we go back one second to, yes, yeah, so this, this webinar that you were giving uh, of this three-part mm -hmm. webinar, actually, could you tell us a little bit about the context? So what were the main reasons actually for uh, choosing this topic? What can you tell us about that? So I think that it was just kind of open and, and we could kind of craft it in any way. But there are a few things that I get to speak about the most technology being one and, and another one being this this evolution of the HR professional. And in all the times I've talked I've talked or given webinars, the most feedback I get and the thing that resonates the most with people is that um, that shift from from paper first to people first or that that journey. And it's very much a personal one for me and it's mm. very very challenging to share, but it's also really great to share. And I think we both really felt like, Gokul and I really felt like this could help people. It could really help people think differently about the work that they do. I'm just wondering now, Tracy, but do, so because when you shared your story as well, it was very much also about a change within yourself. Do you think mm -hmm. that, that these kinds of shifts, are they even possible if there's not something shifting as well uh, inside of the people involved? Usually not. You know, in a maybe in a case where a company is solely responsible for holding someone back from making the shift, and that certainly happens, that could be the case, but it is very difficult to change yourself, but it's easier to change yourself than to change a CEO. 
good point. Yes. Since you talk uh, about this quite a lot, what are some of the main issues that you see HR departments run into when they decide to yeah to start working on that shift from paper first to people first? Maybe you can give us a few examples. Yeah, I, I think it's there's many, 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 many different things, but there's two main areas that I see. I think most often, number one would be the the CEO or the company roadblock. HR departments are historically underfunded, they're underutilized, they're not tapped into for the incredible people and business resource that they are. So that shift within that C-suite, that shift within the company is often responsible or the lack of shifting is often responsible. And then I think it's it's the HR departments themselves. And I've talked to a lot of, of folks who don't want to change, who are just happy the way they are. And, and if they're happy the way they are, and that's the way the company's practicing HR, then nothing's going to shift there. So it is certainly not everyone. And there's certainly a lot of wonderful people out there doing incredible work. And there's a lot of people who are roadblocked by their company, but sometimes we are the barrier. And I know I was the barrier Mm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. Well, so then there's a lot of challenges. Now we sort of um, touched on, on on the two biggest ones. And then I think what's interesting is to see how we can then actually make that move. Uh, I, I imagine there are there are various steps. I imagine they might also differ a little bit from one organization to another. But what can you tell us about that? Can you perhaps guide us a little bit through what that could look like in practice, that shift from paper first to people first? I think it involves a lot of self-reflection first. And I think there's a lot that goes into it, a lot, lot, lot that goes into that, that self-reflection, certainly. So, and it also depends if you're shifting yourself and your own mindset or if you're shifting the company. So let's just for illustrative purposes, let's just take your, you're shifting the company and you're a very paper-based company and you want to move to a, a more people-focused company, right? And so it involves tapping into every skill you've ever learned as an HR professional from your great wealth of knowledge and uh, of business, hopefully, of technology, of HR acumen, a little bit of everything, your influence, your community, and, and bringing those skills together. And then starting with identifying the problem. So for us, when we made that transition as a business, we were looking at managers because we had at that time, not quite 30 locations, managers spending hours and hours and hours on manual paperwork and our team entering that paperwork into 16 different places, literally. And so we could prove out the ROI of, of the cost and the time savings, what that would look like. So we were starting with a problem, you know, we needed to make this transition. Obviously there was an investment, monetary investment that needed to happen. So that's where we started. We looked at the problem we were trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And then we looked at uh, potential solutions. And this was a multi-year process involving multi parts of technology. And there were a lot of other things that went in, but it's easiest to explain the technology. But I can't stress enough how important it is to get people involved and people across your organization. For example, we did a, I did a listening tour when I first started and heard what was going right and heard what wasn't going right. And we acted on the feedback from our people and we had them involved in the selection and, and the testing process. And we did the same thing again. We brought in a new performance system recently, you know, testing and verifying and, and then ultimately selecting the technology. So that's a, that's focused around technology around because mm-hmm. that technology from moving from 
paper first, people first is, is really critical because you've got to automate those things that you can automate so you can focus on the things that really matter. Yeah, absolutely. I think these are two things that go hand in hand, right? If you move from paper first to people first, then that goes hand in hand with, with the introduction of certain HR technology, correct? Right. Yeah, exactly. Now that we're talking about that, perhaps you can share also uh, a little bit more around uh, the introduction of HR technology. Maybe a few of the most important things to, to think about in that regard? Yeah. And I think it, it, like we just talked about, it starts with, you know, what's the problem? And I think it's before that though, you want to take a step back and really take an assessment of where you are at and what you have. And I've talked to people, you know, if I go to a conference like HR Transform and I sat on a panel there that was all about technology and that whole, almost everyone who attended that conference was very advanced with their technological knowledge and, and their companies were investing in technology and a lot of startups and et cetera. But then if I go to a local Sherm chapter, it's a very, very, very different story. Mm. So we still have a lot of people we're using an HRIS system that's an Excel spreadsheet and that may work for them and it may not. So I think you start with taking a look at, at where you are and then where you want to go and why, and not just throwing a bunch of technology in because it looks pretty and it's shiny. It really has to serve a purpose. And the technology now, there's so much and it's so good. You can really solve just about any problem you have with that technology. And I think the trick is finding the right one that's going to work for you, your people and your company. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, Tracy, I can imagine that, you know, some people, they might be listening to, to this and they might think, okay, yes, I think uh, in our organization, we, we, there's definitely more that we could also move forward and places where we could move away from, from being paper first. But at the same time, I can imagine that it might seem a bit daunting to them as well. Like, okay, well, am I even equipped for this? Do I have the right knowledge right. or do I have the right skills? W what skills would, would be important in your opinion for HR professionals? in that regard? So I think it is daunting when you, if you're say totally paper-based and you look at, you know, I want to go from here to here. So I think taking that up into kind of bite-sized chunks and looking at what you might need first and what's the most critical thing for your people and what's the thing that's going to save the most time and what's an easy win. But those skills, and I touched on a couple of them earlier that, that really help in that process, uh, your skills of influence, of resourcefulness. I talk about this a lot that you don't have to know everything. You have to know a lot in this profession, but you have to know where to find it or where to go. And, and tapping into your community. There are so many HR professionals that really could benefit from having a, a wide community beyond their geography, beyond their gender, beyond you name it. So it really, 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 really helpful to expand your community and to give back and to get what you are looking for in return. And then Lars Schmidt, who I'm a big fan of, and I've been fortunate to chat with him on, on many occasions about different mm. things, talks about the new skills of the modern CPO. We talked about this recently, and, and this is chief people officers, but I think it applies to anybody in HR. And this is a list I think is really, really important. He talks about the skills of compassion. And so that's kind of like empathy in action. We've talked a lot about empathy, especially over the past few years. And this is actually doing something with that empathy. Impact, you know, obviously having the HR and the business acumen that you need, and most of us have at least some of, mm. hopefully, resilience and grit, which if we didn't have it before, we probably have gained over the past few years and adaptability and learning agility. And that last piece, so important. I learned something every hour of every day. And I think if you're not learning in your career, your career is dying. Yeah, 
It's, it's, it's funny actually to hear you mention uh, Lars. Yeah, Lars, we, we've also been lucky enough to to speak to Lars for the podcast. Uh, I was yeah. during season one and he also spoke about some of these important skills as well for, for CPOs, for, for the next generation, as he calls it, I believe it. So it's very nice to, uh, to hear yeah. you mention those. And we totally agree here, by the way, uh, at the Academy to Innovate HR because we see the same we see the same things. So that's always nice. Tracy, I, st- I am still curious though, and maybe for those people who are listening now and they're thinking okay yeah that's all good and well definitely you know from an organizational perspective we now um, have heard you talk about how we can make that shift but what for those people that would that would perhaps take things uh, a step further and also maybe work on themselves a little bit uh, to, to, to make some changes could you tell tell them to give them some advice as well uh- you know, for me, it was a, like we talked about, it was sort of a, a gradual shift. There are a few things that happened. And, mm. and another thing that happened is I, I took an assessment. We used a predictive index. So I, I took that and, and learned about myself and learned about what my introversion meant and learned about, gained much more self-awareness. I don't think I was really self-aware before. So I think taking your own medicine, so to speak. So taking the things that you um, help others with and applying them to yourself, like maybe get a coach and have somebody help you see yourself the way others see you, help you identify areas where you should focus on, help you lean into your strengths. I think that's really, 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 really helpful. And I've done that um, through coaching also, but also through community too. And then surrounding yourself with people who fill in your gaps. So and that's not just on your team. If you have a team, you can certainly do this if you're a solo practitioner. I was for almost half my career. And, you know, you, you have people in your network that make up your personal board of directors or your whatever you want to call that who help you in areas where you need some strength. Thank you uh, for that. Now, if we if we continue our road towards a more people-first uh, HR, then I think that the last phase that we'll, we'll touch on in, in today's conversation uh, anyway is I can imagine people listening to this thinking, cool, you know, we have now uh, digitalized certain parts of what we were doing. Fantastic. Now that means we have a little bit more time on our hands to focus more on, on the people in our organization. Organization. Where have you seen uh, people teams focus on once they, you know, they reduce the time that they spend on, on paper-based tasks? I think that would be my first question. And then as a follow-up, and how yeah. did they go about that? I think this is a really good question because you can run the risk of going, oh, great, we did this, now what? Right. And I think... First of all, getting there is enormously difficult because I see this time and time again. You have, you want to automate the things that you can automate so you can get to these things that are really important, but that takes time and effort and education and learning. And, you know, sometimes you just don't have that 30 minutes to learn about that thing that you need to help you automate. So it's a never ending, really vicious cycle that I think trips up a lot, a lot, a lot of people. But what do you do then? So what do you do once you automate it and you have the time? I think that's a luxury that that few can afford, but any time that you have, live and breathe the employee experience. And that looks like different things to different people. To us at the Granite Group, it looks like creating a, an individual and personalized people experience for every single one of our team members. And that involves performance management, that involves learning and development, that involves coaching, that involves wellness, that involves different things that somebody can take and and create their own experience with the, the programs 
that we're creating alongside them. And that co-designing aspect is, is really, really, really important. So for me, I think that's where the time is, is best spent. One of the things that I'm doing is spending time in all of our locations. I'm spending time with all of our regional directors and all of our leadership team and, and really trying to figure out kind of like we're doing stay interviews with our people. We're asking two questions, you know, why are they, what do they like most, best about the grant group and what's one thing they would change. I'm doing the same thing with, with our directors and our leadership team and, and, you know, what are, what is our team doing really well and what can we do differently and, and how can we support you, you better and then acting on on that feedback that you get some really really critical information when you take the time to talk to people to listen to people and you know that's why we do what we do we don't do it to to enter data into a, a spreadsheet you know we do this to really um, improve lives yeah beautiful I also really love how you do stay interviews that is ob obviously another topic entirely but I think there's so mm. much more benefit that could be could be gained for so many companies if they would conduct those more so it's nice to hear that you're doing that and that that's where you are where part of your time goes uh, mm. literally to the people uh, which is I think how it should be so uh, that is fantastic Tracy this is uh, not the most fun perhaps but it's this is definitely, I think, a fun part of the podcast where we get to now. <laughs> and it's the part where I ask my guest first of, um, about what they believe is the biggest cliche about HR out there. So I'm going to throw that one in first. So I think it's not necessarily a cliche that we have in HR, but I think it's the conception of others. You know, if you look at HR memes, you can just kind of see, you look at Catbert and Dobert, and I use that a lot in presentations, but that we're all like running around sunshine and rainbows and spreading joy and happiness and throwing parties and handing out popsicles and things like that, that that HR is, is sort of the, the party place. And I, I really do know, think and know that that is the conception of HR in a lot of places. And it, it may be part of that, but hopefully there's some joy. There's a lot of joy in what we do, but there's so much more that goes into what we do. Absolutely. That's a good one though. Now, and the second one is about uh, sharing an epic win and an epic fail with us. Now, the, the, these can be anything. Mm -hmm. So we had mm -hmm. personal ones. We also had professional ones. We had combinations of uh, epic wins and fails. So really, whatever you feel uh, like sharing. Yeah, so I'll give you a couple epic wins. There's a literally surviving the past couple of years with COVID and, and running response for my team. We were in the in-person business and we never shut down and just surviving that and surviving burnout and, and going through that and, and coming out the other side and is an epic win. Personally, last year I, I did a, a hike, which isn't difficult for a lot of people. It was difficult for me. I hiked the mountain 25 years ago, I was meeting my husband at the top who was finishing a, a three day solo hike and he got stuck in a storm on the other side of the mountain. So I had to hike up, you know, two hours to the top of my own and then hike back two hours when I like didn't want to do it in the first place. And I felt such a huge, huge sense of accomplishment. And that was just a epic win, you know, an epic fail. There's lots and lots. Um, certainly you don't learn if you don't fail. And I think the one that comes to mind, and I haven't talked about this often, but I taught a certification course in person for years on an HR certification course. And then, so I figured, well, I can teach that. 
I can teach a master's level course on organizational development. And it was an online course and I kind of breezed through the training and then there wasn't a course available for a few months. So I started the course and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I tried hard and I just wasn't suited to it. I just absolutely hated it. And I was completely overwhelmed and the students, you know, weren't getting what they needed from me. So I had to have the course rescued by another instructor. And I felt so terrible over that, but I was taking on too much. And and that just really wasn't for me. And, And it was, I did fail epically and I failed publicly, but it happens and it happens to all of us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think it happens to all of us a lot. Uh, and indeed, the beauty of that in that is that we can learn from it. And I think what I find very beautiful in your uh, story, actually, is that you asked somebody else to help you out, because I think that definitely requires uh, courage as well, because not everybody would ask for help. So that's mm-hmm. definitely a beautiful note to that story. And that really, Tracy, I don't know where the time went, but um, that brings <laughs> us to the end already of our conversation. So I want to thank you very much for being here today and i really enjoyed our conversation me too thanks for having me and thank you everybody for tuning in to today's episode i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did and don't forget if you haven't done so yet subscribe to the channel hit that notification bell and share this episode thank you very much and i see you soon again for a new episode of all about hr bye (laughs) 